called in his servants and entrusted his possessions to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to a third one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. Immediately the one who received five talents went and traded with them and made another five. Likewise, the one who received two made another two. But the man who received one went off, dug a hole in the ground, and buried his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants came back and settled accounts with them. The one who had received five talents came forward, bringing the additional five. He said, Master, you gave me five talents. See, I have made five more. His master said to him, Well done, my good and faithful servant. Since you were faithful in small matters, I will give you great responsibilities. Come, share your master's joy. Then the one who had received two talents also came forward and said, Master, you gave me two talents. See, I have made two more. His master said to him, Well done, my good and faithful servant. Since you were faithful in small matters, I will give you great responsibilities. Come, share your master's joy. Then the one who had received the one talent came forward and said, Master, I knew you were a demanding person, harvesting where you did not plant and gathering where you did not scatter. So out of fear I went off and buried your talent in the ground. Here it is, back. His master said to him in reply, You wicked, lazy servant, so you knew that I harvest where I did not plant and gather where I did not scatter? Should you not then have put my money in the bank so that I could have got it back with interest on my return? Now then, take the talent from him and give it to the one with ten. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will grow rich. From the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And throw this useless servant into the darkness outside, where there will be wailing and grinding of teeth. The Gospel of the Lord. We are fast approaching the end of the church's liturgical year. Next Sunday, we will celebrate the Solemnity of Christ the King, which is the last Sunday of the year in the church's calendar. And then the following Sunday, we begin a new liturgical year with the first Sunday of Advent. And as we are wrapping up this current year, we've been hearing a variety of parables from Jesus about the kingdom as well as parables that call us to live lives of service. All of these are to aid us in preparing us how to live as we await Jesus' second coming. And that continues today, not just with Jesus' parable, but also with all the other two readings as well. 
So the first reading is from the book of Proverbs. It is some of, it is some of the last verses of the book, and in a way it's a summary of the whole book of Proverbs. It uses the image of describing the worthy wife. Now it's easy for us in the 21st century to dismiss this reading as it appears to espouse a subservient role for the wife that is outdated. But this is an example of the fact that scripture was written for a specific community in a specific time. And because it is God's living word, we can still glean truths that are applicable to our lives in this community in this day. So this wife is described as being worth more than any material wealth. She works lovingly to provide for the family the clothing that she makes. Beyond the family, she also reaches out to the poor and the needy. The reading goes on to mention that charm and beauty are not what is important. Rather, this wife is praised because she fears the Lord. And in this context, this means that she desires to know God's will and attempts to live it out in her daily life. And that truly is a worthwhile message for us all to take to heart. But St. Paul also has something to tell us how to live our lives as we await for the Lord's return. First off, we should not be concerning ourselves when it will occur. God will send his son in his appointed time. Worrying about when he comes again is wasting the precious gift of life that God gives each of us. St. Paul goes on to caution the Thessalonians about becoming complacent. If one believes that because their life is running smoothly, that it is full of peace and security, then there's no need to worry about pleasing God. There is no need to do good works for others. Those that take that attitude will find themselves greatly disappointed. We all know that life can have those times of peace and security, but it will also have those times of pain and sorrow. For some, their life will be long and free of hardship, but it will end in death. For others, life is a long struggle due to economic hardships, unintended pregnancies, divorce, unforeseen death of a loved one, loneliness, abuse, illness, and their life will end in death as well. St. Paul reminds the Thessalonians as he reminds us, we are children of the light. We have received the gift of hope through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We do not know why Christ had to suffer and die before he was raised from the dead. If Christ's life on this earth ended in suffering and death, how can we expect ours to be different? 
And then we finally reach the gospel. Jesus gives us a parable of the slaves and the talents. So it's important to note that the master did not give the slaves the same amount of money. He doled out his money according to their ability. He did not give either any of them more responsibility than they could handle. But despite the slaves finding themselves with different responsibilities, the master still judged them how they handled their specific situation. God treats us in the same way. He does not give us more than we can handle in our lives. He judges us on how we lived our lives in our particular situations. But the difference between the parable that Jesus shared and real life is that we are not expected to do it alone. As Jesus promised the disciples at the end of Matthew's gospel, I am with you always until the end of time. God does not give us more than we can than we and Jesus can handle. We are children of the light, which means we believe in Christ's promises. We believe in a God who desires friendship with us. We believe that he sent his son to be present in our lives, and we believe in the constant companionship of the Holy Spirit. Too many times we feel we must face these sufferings and struggles of life alone because God does not force himself on us. We need to turn to him through prayer and ask him to accompany us and offer him our weaknesses, our pains, our sorrows, and our struggles. For those people who are dealing with serious illness, with recovery from traumatic injury, or dealing with emotional or psychological problems, it may feel that God has truly given them more than they can handle. But Jesus continues to promise his presence in their life. When they come to receive him in Holy Communion, they receive that Savior who makes that promise come true. But he also offers other sacraments of the church, most especially the sacrament of the anointing of the sick. I will be offering that sacrament for anyone who wants to receive it at the end of Mass today. But in that sacrament, Christ promises his healing presence to those who need it. He promises that their sins will be forgiven. Thus, they can focus their their mind, their heart, and their soul on trying to get better. And if it is God's will, they may also experience a miraculous cure as well. But they will know that Christ is present in their suffering and is accompanying them through the most difficult part of their life's journey. And so, my dear friends, we have come together to celebrate, to worship, and to renew ourselves through God's mercy as shown us by the passion, death, and resurrection of his Son. 
We who eat Christ's body and blood are transformed by the power of the Spirit into a people who will await the Savior's return with hope and live lives in service of one another. This is how our God expects us to live. This is how our God is looking forward to greeting us when he comes again in his glory.